Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Good Wednesday morning. Key definitely loved that open because near and dear to his heart, it's the fellas that are catching passes that are in the spotlight. But of course, when you're talking about the draft, which is 13 days away, the first order of business, as always, Key, moving forward, even as you know, of course, is the guys that will be launching those passes towards guys like Pitts and Smith. The quarterbacks is where we'll start here in one second. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests on the Goodyear Hotline, as we move towards April 29th with Keyshawn Johnson. I'm Zubin Mahenti. Joined in the first hour today by your guy, our guy, America's GM, Mike Tannenbaum. Mike, good morning. Morning, Mike. Good morning, fellas. Good to be with you. We're glad to have hey, you. Key? For sure. You mentioned, you mentioned Zubin, that the, the receivers – in the quarterbacks in this draft, yeah, you, you start at the top always with a quarterback. If you love them, that's what you go – that's your foundation. If, if there's a quarterback there that you like and you need one, you go and you get that guy. Indeed. The NFL draft is, of course, April 29th through May 1st on ESPN Television and ESPN Radio right here on ESPN Radio. And this NFL draft preview brought to you by Sherwin-Williams from pregame to postgame. And then Sherwin-Williams has everything you need – to tackle your next project. So, fellas, right off the bat, Key actually mentioned this just like a minute before we went off the air here this morning, and that is Trevor Lawrence, a big story. Uh, he got married this weekend <laughs> to his girlfriend of six years, former soccer player at Anderson University, Mar- Marissa Mori. So let's be the, uh, the latest to wish those newlyweds a great, great future. Trevor's immediate future looks blindingly bright in Jacksonville. But, fellas, speaking... I, I chuckle, uh, Mike, if you're wondering, because... He checks all the boxes that you want at your quarterback spot. Now he could solidify everything that has been said about him over the last four years. He's married. He checked that box. He's a family guy. He checks that box. Just great. Now all he has to do is go to Jacksonville and play well. Yeah. Oh, by the way, just go down there and turn around the whole franchise that struggled for the, you know, the last four years. That's all. That's all indeed. So here we go. Uh, Lawrence is married, and now more and more people, just as Key had predicted, are getting married to the thought of Zach Wilson, who if you're a casual college football fan at this time a year ago, you had probably never heard of. You might have heard of Trevor Lawrence when he was playing at Cartersville High School (laughs) in Georgia. But more and more people are now married to the thought that maybe, just maybe, as Key said, here come the storylines a week and a half out, that essentially Zach Wilson might be more pro-ready than Trevor Lawrence. It was first brought up a few days ago by Randy Mueller, part of the executive association that Mike's a part of, the front office clan that has gone into the media. Mike's done it. Randy's done it. He put it out there. And Chris Sims on the Adam Schefter podcast saying, put me in that group as well. It's not an indictment on Trevor Lawrence. He's a really damn good football player. I'd love for him to be the quarterback of my football team. I just like Zach Wilson more. I I look at Zach Wilson, and I think his high-end talent is greater than Trevor Lawrence, and I think he's got room to grow as a football player altogether. And and look, there's nothing nothing wrong there, Mike, as you know what Chris Sims is saying. It's a different flavor for Chris Sims, and this is why everyone has an opinion about what they like. You know, some like Chris Sims coming out. Some like me. Some didn't like me. I mean, it just depends on what you like as a front office guy, general manager, scout, evaluator. And then in the end, if Trevor Lawrence is a can't-miss prospect, once-in-a-lifetime generational player, as everyone was saying early season of September 2020, 
then what the hell is Zach Wilson now if he's better than Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, and I like Chris Sims. He's a good guy. But one of the things that Chris Sims needs to remember, one of the areas he struggled is Chris Sims got hurt. And Zach Wilson's been hurt twice, guys. He missed four games in 2019 with his wrist. He had shoulder surgery. And if I'm the New York Jets and I'm Joe Douglas, I agree with everything they've done. But the one thing that would keep me up at night is he's had two significant injuries. And, Key, you brought this up. You know, they've played, you know, on Power 5 schedule. So, can he go through the rigors? And we got to get used to saying this, guys, a 17-game regular season. Can Zach Wilson answer the bell week in and week out over 17 games? And if the three of us owned and operated an NFL team, and we looked at Trevor Lawrence physically next to Zach Wilson, I think the three of us would say reasonably over the next 10 years, Trevor Lawrence has a much greater chance of going through the rigors of an NFL season playing 17 games year in and year out than Zach Wilson, who's been hurt twice at BYU. Injuries have have always scared me, no matter what it is, whether it's in free agency, whether it's the draft. It's just one of those things, because if you're not healthy to be able to help your ball club and be there, then what good are you? And you know what Coach Parcells used to always say, MT, is you cannot help the club in the tub. And Zach Wilson certainly has a history of that. And Trevor Lawrence does not. I mean, so when you look at that, Trevor Lawrence has a body type that you love in the NFL. He's big. He's strong. He will fill out a little bit as time goes on. The only thing is what what happens in Jacksonville? Is Jacksonville going to run a similar offense to some degree what we've seen at Ohio State at the pro level where the quarterback takes a lot of pounding and hitting. Darrell Bevel comes over as the offensive coordinator. I don't necessarily know what they're going to install from an offensive standpoint, but Trevor Lawrence can make all the throws. He can do all the big boy stuff, and so can Zach Wilson. As I mentioned yesterday, Mike, what is Zach Wilson, though? When you start to look at, and when I look at film, I don't necessarily look at the opponent as much as I do the individual talent, but I also want to see Who's chasing you? What type of players are we looking at? Are, we, are you being chased by a 5'11", 230-pound defensive end opposed to J.J. Watt? Is, is that how you are thriving in college football? Or are you looking and staring down the gun barrel of guys out of Alabama and LSU on a weekly basis? Because I do factor that in. Yeah, Key, it's a great point. You made it yesterday. I completely agree. And I went to go see Zach Wilson in person for that exact reason. And I'm a little concerned about that, that when he, if he gets uh, caught in the pocket and the pocket compresses on him, he does look small. And key, again, when I look at Trevor Lawrence, he reminds me of one of the guys we know really well, Vinny Testaverde. Yes. A big, strong guy with a much bigger physical presence. So Zach Wilson, from a style standpoint, he actually reminds me a little bit of Johnny Manziel on the field where he's dynamic outside the pocket, incredible accuracy, really good arm strength. But I agree, you know, we're not playing Weber State. We're not playing Coastal Carolina. We, we have to go through some really good defenses in the AFC East. And guys like Dante Hightower coming back down, opting out. You know New England's going to be better on defense. And you know Coach Belichick, he, he's going to say, hey, let's keep them in the pocket. Let's push the pocket. Let's compress it. And can Zach Wilson make that third and eighth row outside the numbers to his left, you know, with two 300-pound defensive tackles in his lap. And the only thing, we don't we don't know if he can do that. We think he can. From a Jet perspective, we hope he can. 
But that would be my one concern. And he could survive, Mike, much like Mark Sanchez did for a couple years where you play a solid, sound defense, you run the football, and you figure out how to stop people on special teams and wind up beating a lot of teams and getting into the playoffs. And then eventually you can mature as that quarterback and continue to grow. If they expect for him to come into the AFC East and do basically what you have to do at the number two spot immediately, I don't think that that's going to happen. Yeah, and Key, guys, I really think this is important. Let me just take you behind the curtains a little bit. Like, one of the other things I'd be talking about is, ironically, a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, who just, Sam Darn goes to Carolina, Teddy Bridgewater could be available. And I don't take a lot of pride in saying this, but I said last year that there's a reasonable chance that Joe Burrow was going to get hurt. And I was so upset that Cincinnati moved on from Andy Dalton. Joe Burrow, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, these are 10-year decisions. It didn't matter if Cincinnati went 2-14 and 14 last year, 1-15 or 4-12. and 12. It didn't matter. The object of the exercise was to get Joe Burrow through year one, healthy, understanding the game. And to Joe Burrow's credit and to his credit and all those other rookie quarterbacks, no offseason program, no OTAs. What in the world were they doing last year? And I like Zach Taylor. I think he's a really good young coach. Throwing the ball as many times as they did with one back or empty formations and ultimately, Joe Burrow got hurt. And if I'm Zach Wilson, what I'm saying, if I'm the Jets, is, hey, let's be balanced on offense. And, Key, I think you're making a great point about Sanchez, which was we didn't put all the pressure on him from day one. And, again, we want Zach Wilson to be great for the next 10 years, not for the next 10 minutes. No doubt about it. So, Zach Wilson now inextricably linked with Trevor Lawrence. For the longest time, it was Lawrence and Fields that were linked together in 20 minutes. We'll discuss the plight of Justin Fields falling in the draft, and Mike will field calls on where he might end up. On the way, they gave Dak a ton of money. The Cowboys are picking in the top 10. That's juicy enough. But is Jerry about to amp it up even more with a big trade on draft night? We'll get into that. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. The NFL GM, Mike Tannenbaum, joining us for hour number one. We're talking football wall-to-wall here in hour number one to get it going. You heard Mel just effusively praise Kyle Pitts. Fellas, I got to tell you, the only person that has a higher opinion of Kyle Pitts is Kyle Pitts himself. You got to love the swagger, right? This is Pitts saying, if you pass me up, you're going to pass up a guy that eventually is going to turn out to be better than Gonzalez and Kelsey and Gronk. And Ditka, you know, everyone that ever played tight end in the 101-year history of this great league. 
I would say just it's going to come with consistency over the years. You know, once I enter the NFL, I want to start at a high level and, and keep increasing every year and being able to do do other things that other tight ends aren't doing, you know, which will make me special. So I feel like at the end of the day, with all the preparation and just through the years, I feel like I'll at the end be the best to ever do it. It's time for Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. What do you make of that talk from Kyle Pitts. I love it. I mean, I, I, I love the, the, the fact of the confidence and the, and the swag that he has. He believes in his ability. And, and, you know, you mentioned some of the all-time greats at tied in, and you, you missed on a bunch of them. But it was yeah. a bunch of them that are all-time greats. And I think when you look at Kyle Pitts, he's certainly a, a, a unique talent. But you also got to factor some other things in there. Like, we are seeing, Mike, as you could tell, a receiving tied in. As you know, Yes, there's a price to pay for a receiving tight end, but I also need you to be an inline blocker at times, and I don't know that Kyle Pitts in the National Football League going up and getting him in the four, five, six spot, whatever that may be, that you're going to be able to get those sort of things out of that position. I can't spend uh, all of that draft capital and money on a glorified wide receiver that's big if, in fact, he can't do the little things. At tight end, you still have to do the little things. We show highlights of him catching the football and mismatches. But I also need him to block the defensive end. I also need him to block Von Miller. I also need him to pull on certain running plays and do certain things. Can he do those things at the National Football League level? Yeah, Key, I think it's a great point, and I would use a little bit of a different word. I'm not saying it's the little things. I'm saying it's the predictable things. I spoke to a number of defensive coordinators, and then um, I spoke to a number of former head coaches from a defensive perspective. So guys like Eric Mangini, Wade Phillips, a whole bunch of guys to say, hey, what do you think of Kyle Pitts, and how would you defend him? And to a man, they all said the same thing. He's an incredible offensive weapon. They would really count more as a wide receiver. And what's interesting, not to get into too much of the weeds here, guys, but they wouldn't even really consider him a tight end from a personnel standpoint, meaning that... If he was in line, as Key talked about, they would still play sub. They would be small and fast and quick. They're not going to put a big linebacker like a Bart Scott on Kyle Pitts. They're going to put a corner, a safety on him. And he'll still be a great player. He'll be a mismatch. But from an X and O standpoint, he's going to have to learn to block. And I think Key makes a really important point here, Zubin, which is this. He's going to have to, on some third and one, make some meaningful play in the run game to really be thought of as a three-down traditional tight end. Until then, they're going to just defend the pass against him. And again, he'll make great plays. He'll be a really good player. But to be truly this mismatch, the way a guy like Rob Gronkowski was for a decade, one of the things that Gronk can do is he could be on the strong side of a run play and actually you could run behind him. And that made it a really difficult matchup for the defense. And, and that's what you need. You need to be able to exchange, have, have a Kyle Pitts on the field, so now the defense and their personnel, they can make changes. But if you got a guy on the field like Kyle Pitts and, and you're in an inline situation, Zubin, it, it doesn't help you. You've got you've to be able to say to yourself as an offensive coordinator, it's third down, we're leaving him on the field on third and one. We're not taking him off in bringing in Dan Campbell. We're, we're going we're gonna to keep this guy here because he can do both things. Now the defense sits back and go, well, they can run here or they can pass here. 
Now, all of a sudden, you think about it. And I, and I remember when I was playing, one of the great things is with our staff is they realized I could play inside in the slot. So they would move me inside on third down. Now the defense, they don't know what we're getting ready to do because I'm big enough and strong enough to block a, a defender at a linebacker position, and I'm fast enough to get away from those guys. So it's kind of like, okay, what do we do? If we put in a nickel or dime situation, he's going to kill that little guy in the run game. And if I, and then if I decide that I want to put – a linebacker, a Bart Scott, walk him out, or whoever that is, now all of a sudden they're audible to a pass, we're screwed there too. Mike, and that's what he has to be able to do. And, Mike- and, and Zubin, unfortunately, Key is 100% right, and everything he just said <laughs> were, were things that I would pray every night that his agent didn't realize because Key would have been even more valuable. And if he had heard what Dan Henning and Bill Parcells talked about, how great Key was, how tough he was, how we could run behind him, he would have been even more expensive. So everything he said, I just hope Jerome Stanley wasn't listening. <laughs> Too late now. <laughs> Last word for you, Mike. Bottom line is this. We all know uh, Jason Witten, our old colleague here at ESPN, longest tenured player in Dallas Cowboys history. They obviously have been looking for his replacement for quite some time. Easier said than done. Cowboys are sitting in the 10 spot. The way people are talking about Pitts and the way Pitts is talking about himself as a generational talent, he probably ain't going to be there at 10. But the Cowboys have never afraid to be big and bold. How about the Cowboys moving up into the top 10 from 10 to somewhere else to try to grab Pitts and get their tight end of the future? Feasible? Well, for me, I have three answers to that. No, 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 and no. And here's why. How many more times are we going to lose a game 49-47 for Dallas? Can we please win a game 14-10 to 10 or 10-7? We need help on defense desperately. I'm a huge Dan Quinn fan. I think he's going to be massively impactful. We have a really good outside corner in Trevon Diggs. We have a good slot corner in Jordan Lewis. We need another outside corner. Just draft Patrick Sertan. It's not that hard. They got tons of weapons on offense. If they can get some back of these offensive linemen healthy, that'll make a big difference. But no, 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 and no. We got to get off the field on third down. We got to play better red zone defense. We got to rush the passer. And I don't want to lose any more games if I'm Dallas 49 47. So I don't want Kyle Pitts. I want the best defensive player we can get. Every year, the Dallas Cowboys dupe people, making them think they're moving up to get somebody. Yeah. They're not moving up to get Kyle Pitts, but Mike just said it right there, Zubin, that when you look at it, they got plenty of weapons. They don't need any more offense. They got to solidify the defensive side of the ball. And when you think about a Kyle Pitts, you, you draft him if you're the Dallas Cowboys. Let's yeah. say you take him at 10. He just falls in your lap at 10 and you take him. You've got to justify getting him the football. Yeah. Like there's just all these other dudes that you pay, there's only one ball. You know, it's not worth it if he's only touching the ball three times or four times a game. It's nope. not. It's not worth it. I just hey, like hey. how Mike had three words: hey. no, 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 and no. Those are four. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, li- I lived in New York. I just try to get a word in edgewise. I have a question for you guys. You know what would be fascinating to me is if somehow we could ask Dak Prescott, "Hey, Dak, you're the GM of the Cowboys. You're on the clock. Do you want Patrick Sertan?" Or do you want Kyle Pitts? I'd be fascinated to hear what Dak Prescott would think because he is a selfless team guy that's all about winning. And I wonder in his heart of hearts, what would Dak Prescott say to this conversation? I would think that he would say defensive side of the ball. 
That's what I would think. Yeah. Agreed. I, yeah, I would agree too. And last word here, bottom line, that one of those 49-47 games came against the Falcons in that ridiculous onside kick game. And then, ironically or coincidentally, Dan Quinn is gone, and now he's back on the other sideline as the D.C. in Dallas. It's funny the way the league works. Straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise. On the way, we're thinking about maybe five quarterbacks in the top ten. Just a handful of years ago, we had five in the first round. Book ended by Baker and Lamar. So how do those two drafts stack up? A lot more close than you might think. We'll tie 2018 and 2021 together. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Subin, the podcast. Sometimes the bill tells you a little bit of everything. It's amazing. Zach Wilson grew up a hardcore fan of the Utah running Utes. How much of a fan? His family had tickets right next to head coach Kyle Whittingham on the 50-yard line. Instead, he ends up at BYU, Utah's arch rival, because the Utes had their quarterback turned out well for the Cougs. Will it turn out well for the Jets? I think you know where I'm going. Let's have a little fun here. Right before the break, I mentioned, you know, 2018 was a crazy year for quarterbacks because he had Baker Mayfield go number one overall. And then with the final pick of the first round, Lamar Jackson comes in at 32. So you have five QBs picked bookending with those two guys at the top, three in the middle. This year... Guys like Mike Tannenbaum was joining us here for the first hour, the old NFL GM, America's GM. He's got five in the first eight. Think about that for a second. Five in the first 32 and 18, five in the first eight Mike has this year. So on that note, let's play a little game called Better, Worse, or Same. Essentially, we'll just stack up the five guys in 18 and match them up with the five guys in 2021, and we'll see what the guys think. Better, Same, or Worse, Situation. Let's have a little fun. Okay, as you know, in 2018, the run on quarterbacks began with Baker Mayfield. He was the first of five selected at number one overall. Obviously, Mike and everyone else has Trevor Lawrence going number one overall to the Jags. Key, let's start with you, then with Mike. Better, worse, or same? The situation, Baker to the Browns and Trevor 
to the Jags. Better, same, or worse? I think it's a, I think it's the same situation. If you think about the Jacksonville Jaguars, hadn't really had a quarterback stabilize that organization in a very, very long time. I would go all the way back to Mark Brunel when they had him underneath the center as a quarterback of the future for the Jaguars. I know they drafted guys along the way, but those guys that they drafted, the Blaine Gabberts of the world, the Bortles of the world, they didn't work out. But you look at the Cleveland Browns, I think the same thing for them. They hadn't had a quarterback to stabilize that organization. They got one in Baker Mayfield now. So, to me, it's the same. Yeah, Key, I see a different. I think it's a better situation for Trevor Lawrence. You got a great offensive mind in Urban Meyer. He was successful at Bowling Green, Utah, Florida, Ohio State. They got a young, dynamic player I like a lot in LaVisca Chenault. I think defensively, they got a couple pressure players in the front seven like Josh Allen. So, I think this is a team that could turn around much quicker than what what was going on in Cleveland at the time. So I think Trevor Lawrence is going into a good situation. So it's better than Baker Mayfield, in my opinion. LaVisca Chanel, one of the greatest receivers in Pac-12 history. Key, you know anybody else that balled out at the receiver position in the Pac-12? <laughs> no, not as, you weren't as good as LaVisca. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just. Look at my face. <laughs> what? Chanel <laughs> was really good. I got I to amend it. Key played it when it was a Pac-10. So technically, I guess we can both be right. Yeah, Colorado was nowhere to be found. <laughs> no, that's for sure. They were in the Big 12 back in those days, for sure. Okay, so the second quarterback taken off the board. Remember, Sam Darnold was the third overall pick by the Jets, but he was the second quarterback off the board in 2018 according to Mike's mock and practically everybody else that does this for a living guess what it's the Jets again and they're gonna go with Zach Wilson better same or worse key Sam with the Jets Zach with the Jets you know I went back and forth on this and, and, and I'm gonna probably have to say it's probably better with Zach with the Jets right now because I think when you look at the new head coach new new head coach coming in Joe Douglas understands the situation that Sam went through when he was drafted. They kind of put the team on Sam's back without surrounding him with any players at all. I think they bring Zach along a little slower. They kind of take the formula from Rex Ryan along with Mike Tannenbaum, what they did with Mark Sanchez, run the football, play powerful defense, and allow him to make a handful of throws to keep him in games. That's why I think it's a better situation than Sam had. Key, completely agree. I think it's better, and for similar reasons. Michael LaFleur, I'm talking to you. Joe Burrow threw the ball 450 times last year in 10 games. Be bounced early, just like he said. We're trying to make Zach Wilson successful for the next 10 years, not the next 10 minutes. So I think it's a better situation, but be balanced on offense. Robert Salah, they should be better on defense. Should be predictable when these two guys come off the board 1-2 if it all holds on the NFL draft on ESPN and ESPN Radio on Thursday, April 29th. Now, this is interesting. The third quarterback off the board, I love this comparison because these two guys couldn't be more different as quarterbacks, but they have one big similarity. The night they were drafted, or the night they will be drafted if we extrapolate ahead, huge questions about both. Huge questions, but in different ways. Third quarterback taken off the board in 2018 was Josh Allen to the Buffalo Bills. We know what he's turned into, but just remember draft night. Mac Jones, tons of questions of himself. Mike Hasm going to the 49ers at third after San Francisco gives up a haul to get there. Better, same, or worse? Josh Allen with the Bills and all those questions floating in 2018, Key? Or the same with Mac and the 49ers this spring? I think it's a better situation. You, you think about the 49ers two years removed from the Super Bowl 
Mac Jones can learn under Jimmy Garoppolo. Kyle Shanahan is a terrific offensive mind in this league. He knows what to do with quarterbacks. He understands offensive philosophy. You look at Josh Allen, they had to go out and sign and trade wide receivers to get Stephon Diggs, to get Cole Beasley, to come over so that you can see the evolution of Josh Allen to where he is today, talking about an extension because he certainly has turned things around in his third year where that wasn't the case his first couple years. So I would say Jones is going to land in a better situation because of that. Yeah, completely agree. I think the best 21-person roster in the NFL non-quarterback is the 49ers. And you just think about they are loaded from Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Raheem Mostert, George Kittle, on and on and on. I think it's tailor-made. But here's something else that's interesting, guys. If I'm the 49ers, why not play Jimmy Garoppolo? Why not? Again, Patrick Mahomes sat for 15 games his rookie year. So let Mac Jones come along slowly if you can't get the right value for Jimmy G. So I think it's an ideal situation, much better than what Josh Allen had in Buffalo. And as Kia said a million times, and I totally concur, I mean, Garoppolo completes one pass to Emmanuel Sanders. We're not even talking about this. We're talking about Garoppolo being the next Montana or Young, and the 49ers aren't in the three spot. It's amazing what the margins in this league can do. One throw or one incomplete throw can change everything. Okay, fourth of five. Again, if you're just joining us, five quarterbacks selected in 2018 in the first round. Mike's got five in the first eight. A run on signal callers in 2021. We're stacking them both up. This one, I mean, this is like grading the incomplete, I guess. I mean, fourth quarterback taken in the 2018 draft was Josh Rosen, who very confidently said he was going to make all those other teams uh, pay for not drafting him. I wonder how that's worked out for him. Uh, 2021, according to Mike, (laughs) I'm just stating facts, folks. I'm I'm just the facts guy. In 2021, Mike's got the fourth quarterback coming off the board being Trey Lance. To the Falcons, um, you know where I stand on this. Uh, Josh Rosen, better, same, or worse? Him being selected by Arizona or presumptively, as Mike said, key here, Trey Lance going to the ATL? You know, here's a good situation if he was going to Atlanta because, you, again, you got a veteran quarterback in Matt Ryan. you got Arthur Smith coming over from Tennessee as a head coach, offensive-minded guy. He can sit and learn for a couple years behind the, uh, Matt Ryan before he's thrown to the Wolves. And I think he needs to – be able to do that because, first of all, he's not going to have any offseason, really. I mean, it, it, it's going to continue to be one of those situations where because we're in a pandemic, they're not going to really be able to get their hands on him the way that they would like to. You know how coaches are. They want to work with their players. So having him learn behind a guy like Matt Ryan for several years is not a bad thing. If you go back in the history of the NFL, that is the way it's been. And that's the way it was, Mike, in the past is – Guys that were drafted, had veterans in front of them, set and wait their turn, then they became something successful. I see that with Trey Lance because he's got a little bit of work to do. Key, completely agree. Quarterback is a fundamentally a developmental position. Quarterbacks can get better. You know, Even a guy like Mitch Trubisky, who has struggled for big parts of his career, he's actually played better. You know, We've seen it recently with Ryan Tannehill. He did some good things in Miami, obviously doing great things in Tennessee, you know, most notably somebody like Drew Brees. Chargers move on from him. The rest is history. So I think for Trey Lance to sit for a year or two, I think he's the most intriguing quarterback in this draft. I think his upside is limitless. He has ideal physical characteristics. He's incredible from an intangible standpoint. If we would have plugged him in, not at North Dakota, but someplace in the Big Ten, I think we'd be having a much bigger discussion about Trey Lance. So I completely agree. And, you know, Josh Rosen remarkably – He's already been on three teams, Tampa Bay, Miami, and Arizona. So, 
you know, that, that obviously hasn't worked out. But I think Trey Lance is really intriguing. And if he could sit for a year or two, like he said, I think that's ideal. No question about it. Trey Lance from Marshall, Minnesota, right there, as Mike said, in Big Ten country. Anybody could have had him. Anybody could have had him. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests appear on the Goodyear Hotline. That'll begin with A.J. Hawk coming up here in about 15 minutes. Okay, so let's end it. The fifth and final quarterback taken in the first round in 2018 was that Heisman Trophy winner that turned out to be a little more than a wide receiver. Uh, that would be, of course, Lamar Jackson. And you know what's happened since Action Jackson has taken over. Here's the interesting thing. Lamar was picked at 32, fifth quarterback in 2018 at 32. Mike's got Justin Fields going to the Panthers at eight. So that would be five quarterbacks in the first eight picks. Key, better situation. Lamar walking in to Baltimore at 32 or Justin Fields walking in perhaps to Charlotte at the number eight spot. Well, I would say the better situation is clearly Lamar Jackson at 32. Joe Flacco, older quarterback at the time, they realized that Joe Flacco was at the end of his career. They was just waiting for him to make the mistake, step on his toe, so they can now insert Lamar Jackson into the lineup. The Carolina Panthers just traded for Sam Darnold to be their quarterback. Essentially, Mike can do the calculations on the second and third round pick that they gave up for him over the next couple drafts and then some other capital. That's essentially a first-round pick. I don't see where they would want to move on from Sam. I think Sam is going to be their future. You think about the contract situation with him, $19 million on an option that they are going to pick up on his fifth-year option. You do the multiplication over the two years of this contract and the next year's contract, that's not a lot of money tied up in a quarterback that you could take a look at opposed to drafting a guy this high and then moving on from Sam, who's young, who's not a veteran quarterback, who can tutor a young quarterback like Justin Fields to get better. So I understand what Mike is at, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, I don't think that they would do that. So I think this one's really interesting on both ends. So first of all, Lamar Jackson being drafted by Baltimore, I have a ton of respect for that organization. John Harbaugh, a defensive-minded head coach, wanted a quarterback that he knew would be really hard for him to defend, somebody that had incredible skills like Lamar Jackson. And when you have that organizational alignment, Lamar Jackson, you're playing to his strengths, and he went on to be the MVP. The rest is obviously history, and they transitioned from a Joe Flacco traditional offense into a more, much more dynamic offense that's really been very successful for them. So that's when you have great alignment from your head coach, your GM, your offensive coordinator, you draft the quarterback, and the rest is history. So I think Lamar Jackson was in an ideal situation. Ozzie Newsom made a great trade. He went back up to 32. He got the extra year, the fifth year, which allowed them even more time for development. So I think that was a grand slam. I think on the other end key, my point was very simple, which is the quarterback position is so critical. I've made a mistake in my career that not having enough depth. And if I'm Carolina key, here's my thinking. It didn't work out with Teddy Bridgewater, and I have a lot of uncertainty at that position. Why not turn that from a weakness to a strength? Have Sam Darnold, and then if Justin Fields is sitting there, add him. Justin Fields is – I went to go see him at practice. I was so intrigued by him, and he is a – he is built to last. He's a dynamic athlete. Pro Football Focus had a really interesting statistic called basically adjusted completion percentage. You know, when green drops, he was over 80%, which was second in the nation. He's incredibly accurate. And 
if he's sitting there at eight and I'm Carolina, I'm taking him because you just don't know what's going to happen. You hope Sam Darnold's going to play well, but you don't know. And if you spin the story forward, guys, next year, not a lot of quarterbacks in that draft. And if I'm Carolina, I want to operate from a position of strength. Yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying, but you got two young quarterbacks, and I think Sam is I, – I honestly believe, and it's not an SC thing, but I think Sam is ready with the right pieces around him. Kristen McCaffrey, you got Robbie Anderson at the receiver position. They're probably going to draft another receiver. The defense is solid and sound. So when you start to think about putting another young quarterback in a situation with another young quarterback, I'm looking over my shoulders. Now, now you got the Jalen Hurts – Carson Wentz situation. Well, you just traded for me and gave up. And you do the calculations because I don't know the chart, Mike, but essentially it looks like that I could trade those three picks that Carolina gave up and get a late first-round pick for those picks if I'm, a, if I'm the Carolina Panthers or if I'm the New York Jets, so to speak, if I decided that's what I wanted to do. So I'm going to now give up those picks for Sam and then use the eighth pick on another quarterback. I just – I don't see where that's productive for Sam Darnold or the Carolina Panthers. It's like you're kind of putting yourself and your organization in a bad situation opposed to getting something that you actually need versus something that you want. Yeah, I I understand that. My, My point, though, is moving the story forward, which is you hope Sam Darnold plays well. You expect, I agree, he has much better infrastructure around him to be successful in Carolina than in New York. But A, we don't know how well he's going to play. And B, he only has one more year to go on his contract. And opportunistically, if you add Justin Fields, who knows where you're going to be in a year in terms of could you trade Sam Darnold? Could someone give you two first-round picks for Justin Fields? Because let's say there's so many teams, Chicago, Denver, next year that may need a quarterback – it could be New Orleans. It could be Tampa Bay. Just think about all the teams next year that could need a quarterback. And if Sam plays well, and now you have Justin Fields, who has four years to go on a contract, and there's no other quarterbacks, it could be incredible what you could get. So if I'm Matt Rule, I'm playing the long game here. And I just think it's Justin Fields has a chance to be too good and too good of an opportunity to pass up. And I'm hoping that Sam plays well. And now, again, I go from a weakness to a strength. So here's the situation. The guy that's going to make the call, of course, is Panthers head coach Matt Rule. I sort of agree with Key. If you're going to mortgage the next couple of years for Sam and you believe in him, go for it. But Matt sort of concurs with Mike, which is to say nothing, not even a quarterback, can be taken off the board at eight. We're looking at everyone, no matter who we just picked up. We need another really strong draft, so... At the eighth position, I you know we'll we'll we'll, um, we'll be flexible. We'll look to take the best player available. We'll continue to look at quarterbacks. You know I've been impressed uh, going around and, and and watching some of these guys throw. So we'll we'll look at anything and everything. And Mike, let me just ask you this from this perspective: When you look at David Tepper, who has come in house of fire, minority owner of the Steelers, now majority owner of the Panthers, this is just me, just you know spitballing what I've seen, which is to say we'll take a flyer on Teddy. Okay, clearly didn't work. We'll take a two-year flyer on Sam. Pretty manageable cost. As Key said, $18.9 million on the fifth-year option. Two years, 20-something million dollars. If that doesn't work, we'll get somebody else. Is it an interesting way to sort of go about doing business? Let's grab guys, pay them big money, whether it's a year or two. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, we keep moving on. We just keep firing that gun 
until we get who we need to get. It's an interesting strategy at a position that's so vital and you'd like to get right the first time. I'll tell you, you know who ran that exact play? Pete Carroll and John Schneider in Seattle. Charlie Whitehurst, Tavares Jackson, Matt Flynn. Those were the first three quarterbacks that regime went with. And, oh, by the way, they stumbled into some obscure quarterback in the third round who couldn't start at NC State, (laughs) went to Wisconsin, transferred, and was short. That guy happened to be Russell Wilson, and the rest is history, a Hall of Famer, Super Bowl champion. So that mindset of trying to keep adding a quarterback – Guys, it's happened to me twice in my career. Back in 2016, we had a good left tackle in Miami, Brandon Albert. We had eight gazillion needs. The number one player on our board was Laramie Tunsil. He had an unfortunate situation start at the top of the draft. We were prepared. We got the best player in the draft at 13. It was a great opportunity for us because nobody else would take him. And then in the 2000 draft, we happened to have a couple of extra first-round picks. I can't quite remember why, but we had Vinny Testaverde, we had Ray Lucas, and then Chad Pennington fell to us, and we just felt like it was too good of an opportunity. So all my point is, is I'm not saying that quarterback is a need right now in Carolina, but I think Justin Fields is too good of a player to pass up. Unbelievable. Five in the first eight, according to Mike's mock draft. Four in the top four. The latter has never happened before in NFL history. We'll see how it all unfolds. NFL draft Thursday, April 29th through Saturday, May 1, ESPN Television, ESPN Radio. On the way, what made Aaron Rodgers Green Bay with envy? That's it. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio.